you send the secretaries one number off and everything goes away. You know, I was just off by one number, but uh, it was my fault, not theirs. And I appreciate uh, Philip reading tonight chapter 2 from 1 Peter. Uh, a couple of things before we get into this text uh, for just a moment. I do want to uh, remind you that this Wednesday night, uh, we're going to have a, a fifth Wednesday elders communication. It has been quite some time since we have had that, and some of you may not know what that is. So I want to remind you that what we'll do Wednesday night, all classes will meet in the auditorium, uh, kids and adults, and uh, we're going to have a time for men of the congregation, young men of the congregation, to lead a song. Uh, so uh, men, if you want to come ready to uh, lead a song, we'll do that. And then uh, we'll have some uh, lined up to lead us in prayer. And then one of our shepherds uh, will have a, a time of devotion and kind of update the congregation on some things that are going on. And so uh, Wednesday night, we'll all be in here. I just wanted to uh, tell you, you might have been wondering what that was all about. So that's what that's all about. Number two, I just wanted to mention that uh, Brother Mike finds himself tonight in Memphis. Uh, last week, he was in Denver and doing a wonderful work as he was teaching at the Bear Valley School, as he does four times a year. And he flew directly from Denver uh, to Memphis. He has a, a few days uh, to check in on his mom, but the lectureship started there today, and he will be one of the speakers on that lectureship. And so please continue to keep him in your prayers. He is not on vacation. He is working very diligently and very hard, and he will come home much more tired than he left. And so uh, please continue to keep him in your prayers and the wonderful work uh, that he is doing uh, while he is away from us. And so please do keep him in your prayers. Tonight I return to 1 Peter chapter 2. We were there this morning. And uh, we're looking, beginning in verse number 21 and going down through verse number 25. And from this text we're drawing out four ways that Jesus is our perfect example. This morning we looked at the first two. And as we begin to set ourselves up, some of you were not here this morning, I just very quickly want to say this. In verse number 21, there are two key words that we pointed out. The first of those is the word example. It's the only time in the New Testament that we find this specific word, and it means literally to write under. And so I went back to our grade school days when we were learning penmanship, when we traced those letters and we tried to not get out of the lines and then we graduated from tracing the letters to trying to write the letters ourselves and copy exactly what was above the line. Well, what Peter is saying is Jesus is, he is those perfect letters and we by our lives are trying to trace them and emulate and copy them perfectly. It's a wonderful thing for us to think about the example that Jesus has left that we ourselves understand that we're never going to be perfect in the fact that we are without sin, but we are not given an out. We are not said, hey, why don't you go ahead and justify sinful behavior or go ahead and participate in that which you know is wrong because after all, well, God knows you're not perfect. He never gives us that out. Peter is writing to Christians. Christians who at this time were suffering greatly and yet he says, you Copy perfectly Jesus. That's what you're striving to do. That's what I want to strive to do. And so we looked at the perfect and sinless life of Jesus. The fact that he was completely innocent. And I want to strive to live up to that. You see, it takes me out of the equation. I'm not your standard. You're not the standard. Jesus is the standard by which we are, are pushing ourselves to live. We walk in His steps. 
That's the other word in verse number 21. We walk in His steps. There again is the idea that Jesus has gone before us and He has cut the path. He has made those footprints in the sand or footprints in the snow, as I mentioned this morning. And we are simply trying to put the heel of our shoe directly into that print. Brethren and friends, that is what we're striving to do as followers of Jesus. Again, God understands that we are weak and He understands that we're going to fall. He understands that we're going to sin. But He says, walk in His steps. So I don't want to give myself an out. I don't want to say, hey Adam, go ahead and do what you want to do. You know it's against God. Go ahead and do it anyway. And God's going to be okay with it. Peter says, no, He's not. Because you're not striving to live up to your standards. You're striving striving to follow the standards of Jesus. And that is what this is all about. And so we looked this morning at the perfect and sinless life of Jesus. And we looked at Jesus then in verse number 23 as the perfect uh, example of a forgiving life. When insults were hurled at Jesus, He did not hurl insults back. That's what He's asking me to do as well. I'm one of His followers. That's what I'm striving to do. I want not to walk out of His step. I want to walk directly in His step. That is the challenge before us. What would Jesus do? Do not ask yourself, what would Adam do? It doesn't matter because Adam will let you down. But what would Jesus do? That's what I'm challenging us to think. That's what Peter is challenging us to think. And tonight, it's just, it's the motivation behind it all. It's not do better, try harder, and earn your way there. It's not do better, try harder, and, and that's going to be enough to get you to heaven. Jesus is the perfect example of a sacrificial life. Peter is writing to those who are literally slaves. Literally, they are owned by someone else. Literally, they are told by someone else what they are to do. And they were suffering. And Peter says, I'm not giving you an out. You obey those who are over you because you're really not following them. You're following Jesus. To us who know freedom, to us who are able to go about our daily lives and we're able to make up our own minds and make up our own choices and do what we want to do, Peter still would say, you are really not your own. You are really not uh, free to do whatever you want. Live a sacrificial life. I don't know how to do it. I don't know how to take verse 24 and, and really help, help it to, to sink into our lives. But if you want the gospel in one verse, it'd be hard to beat 1 Peter 2 and verse 24. What did Jesus come to do? Jesus came to bear my sin in His body on a tree. He came to take my sin and take it upon Himself and die for me so that I don't have to suffer the consequences. That's what He came to do for me. He sacrificed Himself for me. And that's what He did for you. Adam, I don't want to try to live a sinless life. I just enjoy it too much. I don't think I want to live a sinless life. I don't think I want to live a forgiving life. 
you know, I've got a grudge to hold against him. I just can't let go what she did to me. I just, I don't think I can let that go. I don't think I want to live a forgiving life. Why should I live or strive to live a sinless life or a forgiving life? Verse 24. Because Jesus came to sacrifice himself for you. That's why. That's all the motivation you and I should need, really. Verse number 24, uh, put a star, underline it, do something. But this is an important phrase for us to get, and we need to understand that he is the perfect example of a sacrificial life. John chapter 12, if you do a little reading and you look at John chapter 12, it's a favorite expression of John, isn't it? In John chapter 12, he, he talks about this hour, this hour that Jesus came for. In verse number 27, Jesus prays, or He says to them, Now my soul is troubled. What shall I say? Father, save me from this hour? He says, But for this purpose I came to this hour. Father, glorify Your name. And the voice came from heaven saying, I have both glorified it and will glorify it again. Now keep that in mind and run over to chapter 17. At the beginning of John 17, you have this prayer of Jesus. And the Bible says that Jesus spoke these words in verse 1. And He lifted up His eyes to heaven. And He said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify Your Son that Your Son may also glorify You. As You have given Him authority over all flesh, that He should give eternal life to as many as You have given Him. And this is eternal life, that they may know You, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom You have sent. Father, I have glorified You on earth. I have finished the work that You've given me to do. And now, O Father, glorify me together with Yourself with the glory which I had with You before the world was. Can I remind you that before Jesus came to sacrifice Himself on the tree, that He first sacrificed heaven? Father, the hour has come. What shall I say? Save me from this hour? No. For this very hour, I have come. Where did He come from? I have come from heaven. Father, glorify me together again with Yourself, with the glory that we had before. The first sacrifice Jesus made for me was to leave heaven above. In everything I do, you see, I want to be reminded of the price that was paid so that I can go to heaven. I want to be motivated by this, brethren, to live a life that is pleasing to Him because of everything He's done for me. It's so important for us to understand. In 2 Corinthians chapter 8, and verse 9, I like how Paul puts it. Again, he reminds us of a very simple point that you and I, we just do so well to dwell on much more than we do. In 2 Corinthians chapter 8, and verse 9, Paul says, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though He was rich, yet for your sakes He became poor, that through His poverty you might become rich. Rich became poor so that the poor can become rich. There's no way that you and I as poor can become rich unless Jesus empties Himself. I'm telling you, 1 Peter 2 and verse 24 is all the motivation you and I need to live a sacrificial life. What would I not be willing to sacrifice for one who gave everything for me? So important for us to think about. Peter says he bore our sins in his own body on the tree. Friends, he simply did not bear his own sins. He didn't have any to bear, did he? No, he bore my sins and he bore yours. What can I not sacrifice for him? 
Well, God, you see, if I just wasn't so busy, if I just wasn't so busy, I'd do a lot more for you. God, if I just didn't have so much more going on, I, I would just, I would sacrifice, you know, I would do so much more for you. If I just didn't, I just got so much going on. God, I just really can't stand it because my kids are so talented in all these different areas. And, you know, if it weren't for all these extracurricular activities of my kids, you know, I'd be able to do a whole lot more for you. But, you know, I can't help it. They're just really talented. You know how many parents are going to lose their kids because their kids are so talented? What are we going to sacrifice? Well, God, the Jayhawks were just playing at the wrong time. You know, if they'd played at a different time, I'd have been there. Whatever sports team it is, you know, it just doesn't matter. What are we going to sacrifice? What are we doing? Here's the motivation for everything that we need to be about as Christians. He himself bore my sin on the tree so that I can have hope of going to live for him. He says you need to die to your sin and live to righteousness. Well, God, I'm going to give myself an out. I'm just not perfect. Quit trying to justify sinful behavior. Quit it, Adam. Quit trying to do it. He gave everything for me so that I can go to heaven and be with Him. I want to live a sacrificial life. I want to be willing to sacrifice anything that is going to get in the way of my relationship with the Lord. He sacrificed for us, and I want to follow His examples. I want to live for righteousness. This is not, again, do better, try harder, earn your way to heaven. I'm not saying it, and neither is Peter. But Peter is reminding these folks that Jesus gave everything so that you can go to heaven. What will you fail to give up for Him? That's the question we're asking, isn't it? I don't want to to look Him in the eye one day and say, Well, Jesus... I just didn't want to give that up. (laughs) I just don't want to do that, and neither do you, because that's not going to end well for either one of us. A sacrificial life, that's the life that Jesus has left. Those are the steps that you and I are trying to follow. That's the example that you and I are trying to trace with our lives. A sacrificial life. You got it? A sinless life. A forgiving life. A sacrificial life. And the second and final one tonight is a life of a guardian. A guardian's life. Jesus is the perfect example of a guardian's life. I love the way that Peter ends this section. He's going to go on and talk about relationships in just a moment in chapter 3. But as he makes this transition from servants into this relationships with husbands and wives... He, he has these verses of transition and he says, I just want to remind you who Jesus is. I want to remind you of what he's done. By his stripes, you and I are healed. And then he says in verse number 25, For you were like sheep going astray, but have now returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. The life of a guardian. Tonight, before we close, I want to go back to the book of John. And I want to look at chapter 10. You see, all we're doing is looking at the perfect example of Jesus. All we're doing is reminding ourselves of what He has come and provided us and how that then should motivate us to live for Him in His steps. John chapter 10, there's the shepherd, the overseer of our souls and what he has to say. 
Just please pick up your Bible and please begin reading with me in verse number 7. Jesus said to them again, Most assuredly, I say to you, I'm the door of the sheep. All who ever came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief does not come in except to steal and to kill and to destroy. I have come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. The shepherd and overseer of your souls. The shepherd gives his life for the sheep. Verse 12, But a hireling, he who is not the shepherd, one who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees, and the wolf catches the sheep and he scatters them. All you are like sheep who are scattered. Verse 13, The hireling flees because he is a hireling and does not care about the sheep. I am the good shepherd, and I know my sheep and am known by my own. As the Father knows me, even so I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. And other sheep I have which are not of this fold, them also I must bring, and they will hear my voice, and there will be one flock and one shepherd. Therefore my Father loves me because I lay down my life that I may take it again sacrificing himself, right? Verse 18, No one takes it from me, but I lay down of myself. I have power to lay it down, and I have power to take it again. This command I have received from my Father. Peter talks about Jesus. He says, All of you were like sheep going astray. All of us at one time were heading in the wrong direction, weren't we? Without hope. All of us, because of our sin, we were on our way to hell for eternity. The chief shepherd appeared. The shepherd and overseer of our souls. And he laid down his life for the sheep. He looked down and he saw that we were scattered. And he says, I'll provide a way to bring you to myself. I'll provide a way that all of you can come and you can be with me. And as a shepherd, I will guard you and I will protect you. And you can be mine. And I will give you, catch it, eternal life. I will give you eternal life. The last word is souls. You see it in verse number 25? At the end of the day... That's the only thing that you and I have that really matters. It's made in the image of God. It is eternal, and it will live forever in one of two places. Praise God that He looked down, and He said, Your sin is going to separate you from me, but I will find a way, I will make a way for you to come back to me and be right once again. Jesus came, and that's exactly what He did. And He offers us protection. My sheep hear My voice, and I protect them. You see that hireling? They flee, but I'm not going anywhere. I am staying with you. I like the words of Paul over in 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, beginning in verse number 1. Paul got it, and I want to get it. Peter got it, and I want to get it. And I never want to let go. Paul understood in 2 Thessalonians chapter 3 and verse 1, Finally, brethren, pray for us that the word of the Lord may run swiftly and be glorified just as it is with you, and that we may be delivered from unreasonable and wicked men, for not all have faith, but the Lord is faithful. Listen, 
who will establish you and guard you from the evil one. I'm incapable, incapable of providing myself that protection. But through Jesus, I can be guarded. Through Jesus, my soul can find its protection. Through Jesus, I am able to be defended from the evil one, and I am able to go on to be with the Lord forever. Peter says, listen, I know you're suffering and going through some difficult times. I know that it can look bleak, and I know that that you all are, are struggling. Uh, God knows what you're going through. He understands the trials. He understands the fire that you find yourself enduring even at this very moment. I don't know what it feels like to be a slave and neither do you. But they were treated, no doubt, as less than human. And yet when God saw them, He said, you have a soul. A soul made in my image. A soul that I know is going to live on forever in one of two places. And he said, I know that you're going through a very difficult time, but I don't want you ever to lose your focus and put it where it needs to be. Live a life that follows the example of Jesus. Live a life that puts your heel directly in the footprint of His and go in the direction of the Lord, the shepherd and overseer of your soul. I don't want anything anything to take me away from His protection. I just want to live a sacrificial life. I want to be willing to do whatever it takes, give up whatever it takes to put my heel in the footprint of His shoe. That's all I want to do. I don't know where you find yourself tonight. I just want to find myself in a relationship with the Lord. You know, He has put certain things under my protection, weak and feeble as I am. It's pretty remarkable, actually, the trust that He does put in us, His creation. But I want you to be reminded tonight that that He does put certain things into our care, certain things into our trust. As we trust Him, He says, there are certain things I want you to know. For example, in 1 Timothy chapter 6, the last words of this letter that Paul writes to Timothy down in verse number 20. He says, Timothy, guard what was committed to your trust, avoiding the profane and idle babblings and the contradictions of what is falsely called knowledge. By professing it, some have strayed concerning the faith. Grace be with you. Amen. Timothy, guard the Word of God. Guard the truth. He's put it under our protection. You see, as I'm striving to follow the example of Jesus, I'm striving to live a life that He has laid before me, I want to put under my protection His Word, the truth. I want to guard it and protect it. I want to stand up for it. I want to stand against what is false teaching, and I just want to do what He says to do, and I'm just moving in the direction of heaven because He has cut the path for me to get there, and so for you. That's all I want to do tonight. I just want to go to heaven. I want to think about that word souls again, verse number 25. And as I do, I want to think about the fact that everybody I see out there has one. Everybody I see in here tonight has one. We all do. And Jesus says, you come to me, the shepherd and overseer of your souls. I want to help people find that shepherd, don't you? I want to help people find the protection that Jesus offers them. 
The only way I'm going to do that is to try my best. Not give myself an out, not justify poor behavior or sinful behavior, not give myself an area where I can justify doing things against His will. But I want to strive to be an example that others can follow, that they might find the Lord. I'm going to let them down, but He never will. I want them to find that joy, don't you? Everyone has a soul, and Jesus wants to be the guardian and protector of it as the great shepherd. Tonight, I'm just trying to help us. I know that that as a Christian tonight, I know that you're here because it is your desire to live a life that is pleasing to God. I know that that's what you're about. I know that's what we're striving to do. I'm just looking at this context and we're looking at four areas that that Peter points out again that these are areas that Jesus is the perfect example specifically of. Sinless life, a forgiving life, a sacrificial life, and a guardian's life. He has put certain things within my care The truth in certain relationships. You know, it's humbling, isn't it? It's humbling as a, as a husband, as a wife, as a father, as a mother, as a grandfather, a grandmother, an aunt, an uncle, a brother or sister. Isn't it humbling to think about those who are looking at you, looking up to you, who are thinking about following you. Perhaps I've told you the story. I think about this and I think about my grandpa. I could go back to the exact spot. I don't know what I ate for lunch last Tuesday. But I could take you back to that spot when I was six, seven years old. I don't remember a lot that happened last week, but I remember that spot. I could take you to it. On his farm. I remember that it was snowing. And I remember that I was wearing rubber boots. To keep my feet dry and warm. And I remember that my grandpa was walking in front of me. And I remember his giant strides. Compared to my little ones. And I remember as he was taking a normal stride. I was taking big strides. And I remember as he was cutting that path in the snow. And I was trying to follow in his, his steps. I remember thinking, I I remember thinking, I want my foot to fit almost perfectly in his step. Because before that, I had heard my, my grandpa use a word that I knew wasn't a good word to use. And I remember thinking, as a very young child, I want to be almost exactly like my grandpa. But I don't want to use that word. And so I didn't put my heel directly in his footstep. I did this as a six-year-old. I remember thinking, I don't want to put my heel directly in his footstep. I want to be just a little bit off of it. If you're wanting to follow me in my footprints, you're not going to do good to put your shoe directly in mine. I'm not the one you're trying to follow. I'm not the one that we're trying to emulate. But the footprint of Jesus is perfect in every single way. And you would do well, brother or sister, to put your foot directly in that print. 
That's all we're trying to do. He knows I'm weak. He knows I'm not going to be perfect at it. He knows I have terrible penmanship. But he knows, he must know, that that's the goal. That's all I want to be about. Where do you find yourself tonight? I mean, in your walk to heaven, in your walk with the Lord, where do you find yourself tonight? He's done everything for you. He bore your sins in His body on the tree. He didn't die for Himself. He died for you. Will you be motivated tonight to live for Him? Will you put your shoe in His print and follow Him to heaven? Tonight, maybe you've just gotten completely off the path. Maybe Jesus is walking this way and you find yourself walking that way. And tonight you need to repent of such as a Christian. And you need to turn yourself around and you need to get back in line and go with Him. Tonight, you have an opportunity in a public way. If it needs to be repented of publicly, you have a way of responding to His invitation and making your life right. Won't you? Won't you before it's eternally too late? My friend, maybe tonight you've never been in those prints. You've never taken the first step to be in line with the Lord. The shepherd and overseer of your soul. You've never allowed him to be the overseer of your soul. You've never given him the opportunity. You've never submitted yourself to him. Tonight you have an opportunity to do just that. Again, turning away from your own prince to step in his. Tonight if you're not a Christian, do you believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God? Are you ready to make that confession? Are you ready tonight to repent of sin in your life, to turn away from error and strive to follow truth in Jesus? Are you ready tonight to meet the Lord's blood shed for you in the waters of baptism, to have your sins forgiven, washed away? Tonight, you can rise to walk and be a child of God. I have great news for you. He died for you. Will you live for Him? If you need to respond to the Lord's invitations extended now, please come while together we stand and sing.